We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to the Picks for Polls podcast brought to you by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name, ladies and gentlemen, is Usaid Koshal. I'll be your host for this episode with Andrew out. Before we get into all the action, make sure you're with the NFL Scouting Combine kicking off. Make sure you've liked, reviewed, and subscribed to the podcast wherever you get it. Joining us this week, guys, we've got Pro Football Network's very own NFL draft analyst, Tony Pauline, in the house. How you doing, Tony? Thanks so much for being on here. I'm okay. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, let's get right into the action. I mean, what do you think are the defining characteristics of this 2022 NFL draft class? I think you got a lot of the impact or potential impact defensive players at the top of the draft. You know, 30 years ago, before everyone went quarterback crazy and they started reaching for quarterbacks and overdrafting quarterbacks, it was the the defensive impact defensive player that was highly coveted at the at the uh, top of the draft. And that's what you got this year with Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau and David Ajabu, a, a lot of those types of players. I think uh, the fact is you got a lot of depth at the offensive tackle position. You got great depth at the tight end position. And I think from a media point of view, it's not a good quarterback class. But I, I think quarterbacks, for the most part, have been ridiculously overdrafted. But I think when they look at this crop of quarterbacks, especially at the top, you know, there's not a lot of quality at the top. There's not a lot of quantity, you know, after you get past the first uh, six or seven guys. So you kind of led right into my next question here. We know that there's teams at the top like Detroit and Houston that could possibly be taking quarterbacks. But do you think there's a scenario where you see Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson possibly go one and two overall? I do. I mean, uh I think Hutchinson doesn't fall farther than two because I think Detroit would love to have him, a Michigan grad, who, with that relentless style. Kayvon Thibodeau, he's a top my boy. I think he's the best player, but I think he's got a lot of questions to answer at the combine. I think they're going to ask him a lot of tough questions. Uh, I think you're hearing a lot of negative things about Thibodeau right now, but I believe it's more paralysis by overanalysis. Uh, 
versus anything else because you watch the film and the guy is a relentless pass rusher. He's a relentless defender who makes plays up the field, makes plays in pursuit, shows a lot of athleticism. He's got better versatility than Aiden Hutchinson as far as I'm concerned. He's also more uh, athletic than Aiden Hutchinson. So, all right, you know, since we're primarily a Bears NFL draft, I have to kind of ask you this. The Bears are going into an offseason where they've only got five draft picks, but they do have Justin Fields on the roster. How do you think the Bears approach this draft, knowing that there's a lot of needs? They've got offensive tackle, certainly one to keep an eye on. They need to beef up the offensive line. You look at safety, there's three techniques, the Bears. So what does Chicago do here with just five picks? Well, I think they go best player available within reason. And I think they're in a good spot because there'll be some good offensive linemen, offensive tackles available to them in day two of the draft. So, uh, you know, do they automatically reach for an offensive tackle? I don't think so. Uh, but again, you know, if, if there's a good one there staring them at the face, if there's a good receiver there staring them at the face, I absolutely think that that is the position, that is a, an area that they, where they go. Uh, same thing with cornerback as well. So are there any of these prospects that you think are going to be ideal fits for Chicago? Um, as far as day two guys are concerned, when you're looking at the tackle class, uh, I like Rasheed Walker a lot. If they want a guy, potentially an upgraded uh, left tackle kid from Penn state. I don't know if he's there. I think he'd be a great value if he's there. Guys, uh, one of the better pass protectors in this year's draft, uh, Abraham Lucas, the right tackle prospect from Washington state. He's big, he's athletic can move his feet. He's a dominant run blocker. Uh, I think he also fits well somewhere in that round two area. So let's talk the wide receiver class here. We know the cream of the crop is guys like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, Drake London from USC. Um, but I also think there's some really intriguing names like a Sky Moore or Reggie Roberson Jr. that are going to be available on day two and three. What are your overall thoughts about the receiver position? Yeah, well, I am not as high on Traylon Burks as a lot of other people. I think you're going to see him start to fall. But I think there's no outstanding single uh, great receiver in this year's class. I would agree with you about Garrett Wilson. I like Drake London. I think Chris Olave is really underrated. Uh, you know, it kind of falls off after those first five or six. And then you're looking at guys. You mentioned Sky Moore. I like Tra uh, Charleston Rambo of Miami a lot as a third-round pick. I like Wendell Robinson of uh, – Kentucky a lot as a uh, as a third round pick. Kevin Austin of uh, Notre Dame I think is underrated. What's going to happen is when you get in that third, fourth, fifth round area, there's going to be some decent receivers, but you're primarily looking at number threes, maybe guys who can develop into a number two at the next level. So, what are your thoughts on Jahan Dotson from Penn State? Because he I think is someone that. I think fits the modern day, you know, mold for an NFL receiver. He certainly can play all over the field. And I think he'd be the type of wide receiver the Bears would look to draft to build around fields. I have a first round grade on Dotson. He's not as big as some of the guys like Drake London or Traylon Burks. He's not as super fast as opposed to say Chris Olave. He's just a real good receiver. He plays faster than his time. He plays bigger than his size. He knows what's happening on the field. He uses the sidelines well. He runs solid routes. He finds ways to separate, and he's a real good pass catcher. Not a super great athlete, not a super fast guy, but just a real polished receiver who I think is going to be unfortunately downgraded because he's going to probably be under five foot eleven. I don't think he's going to run the four threes, but I think he's NFL ready and a guy that you can slide in right away. Big fan of Dotson. 
So let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball here. We know Chicago has Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. They're making that switch from 3-4 to 4-3. And the most critical piece, you could argue, is that three-technique defensive tackle. Who are some names that the Bears need to be keeping an eye on? Because when you look at Eberflus' defense in Indianapolis, the first two years it was good. Then when they traded for DeForest Buckner, the entire unit kind of took off as a whole. If you're looking for a three-technique guy, a uh, day-two guy, Logan Hall of Houston, uh, someone who had, had had a good senior season, <clears throat> played well at the senior bowl, you know, sort of that undersized 280, 285-pound defensive tackle that's quick off the snap, uh, can move uh, exceptionally well. Uh, Haskell Garrett is another guy, Ohio State kid, who's going to be a day-three pick. Again, quick, explosive, and can play, play, make plays not only up the field but can move left to right. Uh, later on in the draft, a guy who I actually like a lot, kid by the name of John Tate out of Memphis, going to be an undrafted free agent. But again, you're looking at a three-technique type of player. So, you know, looking at this entire draft class, and, you know, I think draft philosophy certainly plays such a big part into this. Because I remember when the 2021 pre-draft process was going on, there was some talk about, you know, these picks are great and all, but those 2022 picks with a normal offseason is – are going to be more valuable despite the fact that this class isn't as strong as what we saw last year. Do you still see these picks as being valued as higher with things returning to normal? Well, I mean, I mean, it depends. It's not, a, <clears throat> excuse me. It's not as strong at the top, but it's deeper, not because of a normal off season. It's deeper because you had so many seniors who were eligible for the 2021 draft bypass that draft and take advantage of the NC2 or the opportunity given to him by the NCAA to go back for a second senior season. So what happened was last year you had guys who were would have generally been fifth and sixth rounders and then ended up going in the fourth round because of the fact that there was not a great amount of draft picks because most of these guys decided to go back because they either missed the season due to COVID or they played a fraction of the season uh, due to COVID. The Pac-12, some of those teams only played four games. So that what happens is this year, even though you do have seniors who have decided to go back, there's many more players in day three where you're going to have a situation, guys that are usually fifth-round picks or fifth-round talent could go seventh round just because of the numbers, and guys that are usually seventh-round picks will fall out of the draft because there is a lot of quantity uh, in the late part of the draft. So we've got the scouting combine kicking off in Indianapolis next week. I mean, what are you looking for specifically at the combine in terms of the quarterback class, knowing that, you know, we're finally going to get a surefire measurement on Kenny Pickett's hands and that these prospects are going to be there and just have the opportunity to kind of work out and test in front of others. Yeah. I, I mean, the quarterback workout at the combine is not as important as the quarterback play during senior bowl practice, senior bowl practice, is the kingmaker at the quarterback position. Look at Mac Jones last year when he played great. So, I mean, there are certain things you want to look for. You know, you talk about Kenny Pickett's hand measurement. I was the one who broke that story a week ago at Pro Football Network. I want to see his ball speed. I want to see his ball speed compared to the other guys. Because you know, what happens at the senior ball is, I'm sorry, what happens at the combine is oftentimes you, the quarterbacks throw next to each other. So you'll be able to kind of match up Kenny Pickett's arm strength, say, compared to a Malik Willis or a Matt Corral or even a Sam Howell. Uh, I want to see if Carson Strong shows any accuracy, any good pass placement. Carson Strong is one of the supreme arm talents that we've seen at the quarterback position in a long, long time. He can throw the ball, you know, a country mile with ease. 
but he doesn't make a lot of NFL passes, or he really didn't show the ability to make a lot of NFL-type passes at the senior ball, which was disappointing to me. And then, you know, you got guys like Matt Corral, who I mentioned before, and Caleb Ellaby of Western Michigan, who I like a lot, didn't play in the senior ball. So this is going to be really their first exposure in the pre-draft process to a large, you know, a large group of scouts. Want to see how those guys do. When you're looking at the quarterbacks during the combine, you got to look at the deep outs, those passes that they throw down the field, far, uh, far out to the hash mark, um, far out to the uh, sidelines, uh, 30, 40 yards downfield to the right side and the left side. The deep outs, the accuracy in the deep outs, the pass placement in the deep outs, that is the money pass when it comes to uh, combine workouts. All right, so you mentioned Sam Howell a couple times. I think, why do you think Sam Howell's kind of slipped? Because going into the 2022 draft, you know, last year, like right after the 2021 draft had concluded, there was people talking about Howell being quarterback one and John Comps to guys like Baker Mayfield. So what kind of happened to Sam Howell throughout the season that's kind of led to a slide? He didn't play well. I mean, that, that's it. He didn't play poorly. But he just was not, you know, the, he was a better quarterback in 2020 on the field than he was in 2021. Uh, I, I don't agree with the, the comp to Sam Howell, with, to Baker Mayfield, because even though Sam Howell ran a lot of design quarterback runs this year at North Carolina, I thought it was to his detriment. He's not a true RPO quarterback. He doesn't have great height. What did he measure in at the uh, senior world? Barely six foot one. He's, he's a good passer. I thought he was the most consistent passer at the Senior Bowl. He definitely threw some great deep passes, uh, repetition after repetition, where he was dropping it in the receiver's hands uh, in bad weather. But the fact is he's, he just did not live up to expectations. I, in fact, I think he really failed to meet expectations last year at North Carolina. So what do you think is next for Sam Howell? I mean, is he a first-round pick, or is he someone that you see just slip all the way to round two? Um, right now, I, I think he, I, right now I'm looking at two first rounders and Malik Willis and Matt Corral, maybe Howell slides into the late part of round one, maybe Kenny Pickett, if he has a strong, uh, uh, combine workout, he shows good ball speed. Maybe he slides into the late part of round one. Uh, I, I mean, you could have three or four quarterbacks selected in the first frame, but I think there's only really two guys right now that have true first round grades. So what were your thoughts on the Bears hiring Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus? And specifically, you know, Ryan Poles has kind of talked about, I'm going to connect valuation to evaluation. I mean, how do you think that's a breath of fresh air for the Bears who over the last basically decade developed a reputation for always going ahead and just trading up, being aggressive, overdrafting players, and then not being able to draft and develop? It's Trubisky, right? Um, you know, it, it, you never know until the guy's in the situation. They both have good resumes. They both say the right things. You know, they both had success in their pe- in their careers in the NFL. But you never really know until it's the general manager there. And he, he's in the general manager position. And the final, you know, the final decision comes down to him, whether it be in the draft, whether it be signing big, big-time free agents. And it's the same thing with coaches. I mean, you know, now he's the coach is in charge of everybody, not just the defense, not the, just, just the defensive unit. He's in charge of defense, offense, special teams. He's got to run the practice. So on paper, it looks real good, but you never really know until they are actually in the position and they're making general manager decisions or they're making game day decisions. So what about cornerback for Chicago? Because they drafted Jalen Johnson 
two or three years ago. I think that he certainly developed into a good enough player, and he's cornerback one for the Bears. But who do the Bears look to draft here? Who are some names to keep an eye on? Because they got to revamp that entire cornerback room outside of Johnson. Yeah, you're looking around to maybe Care Elam of Florida, who I, I like a lot. I want to see how he runs. I think he's got first-round ball skills. We'll see if he's got uh, first-round athleticism. You know, round three, maybe Kyler Gordon of Washington, Michael uh, Michael Wright of Oregon. I'm not a big fan of his, but I could see him going there. And then later on, a Cam Taylor-Britt of Nebraska, who I think has got a great amount of upside, just needs some proper coaching. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What about Marcus Jones from Houston? Because I know he's 5'8", he's undersized, but I also know that in college he did have experience playing both inside and outside. 5'8", undersized, and he's coming off a shoulder injury. So he's not going to – I don't know when he's going to – shoulder surgery, I believe. Uh, so, you know, that is a red flag there. I mean, he is a day three guy who I think is a nickel, uh, a nickel uh, corner at best at the next level. Uh, I like him more as a dime back. Coming off a good senior year, really wasn't that highly rated coming into the season, so he's done well and deserve, deserves credit for that. That uh, shoulder injury is going to have to be checked out. Yeah, Jones is someone who I really find to be intriguing, knowing that you know Matt Eberflus didn't really have – well, the Colts didn't draft the first-round defensive back at all in his four years in Indianapolis. I mean, the highest guy that they took was Julian Blackman. But what about strong safety for the Bears? Who are they looking at here to kind of give Eddie Jackson a running mate? Who are they looking at? I have no idea at this point in time, and I'm not even going to, uh, uh, to take a, a stab at that one. Now, who should they consider? I mean, I like it depends on where they got where they select. I mean, Jalen Petrie at the top of round two from uh, Baylor uh, was a terrific college player. Played more of a linebacker position than a safety position. Did really well at the Senior Bowl in his co- in coverage in coverage drills. Showed that he could stay on the receiver's hip out of breaks. Was very fluid in his transition. Really impressed me with his ball skills. That's a guy you probably consider at the top of round two, round three, maybe Kirby Joseph of Illinois, who has really taken off, wasn't even graded by scouts coming into the year, had a terrific senior season, had three good days of practice at the Senior Bowl, uh, can play free or can play strong safety. He's got a, he's got a strong safety mentality. Um, but even later on, I mean, Lorenzo Neal of Texas A&M is a big downhill forceful safety, solid ball skills, tough against the run, doesn't have great lateral speed, but fits that mold of the, of the traditional strong safety type. 
So, yeah, I should rephrase my question because I meant to say who should the Bears look at, not specifically like who are they targeting, you know, so that was a big mistake on my part. But, you know, you throughout the offseason, because I follow your work on PFN, you know, you've talked about the possibility of Aaron Rodgers being traded to the Denver Broncos. And certainly the you have to connect the dots here. It adds up because you have Nathaniel Hackett, who's there. Then you have Justin Oten, who's the former Packers tight ends coach, now the offensive coordinator in Denver. I mean, do you think that this is something that is a legitimate possibility with Diana Russini of ESPN today kind of leaking or tweeting out that Aaron Rodgers' decision's coming soon? Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, I, I, we've been all over the story of Pro Football Network uh, since January. And, uh, you know, I, it all comes down to Rodgers. You know, it depends on uh, Diane Rossini, you know, tweeting out soon. Aaron Rodgers has consistently said that he's going to make a, a decision sooner than later. He's not going to uh, leave people waiting. So, I mean, the decision comes down to one of three things. He's either going to stay with the backers. He's going to request a trade or he could retire. I mean, the last one is a possibility. I wrote that at the end of the Shrine game after all the articles I had written about him potentially being traded to Denver. Uh, the overwhelming, the overriding factor in Denver is George Payton, their second-year general manager, really wants him. He wanted him last year. Would have traded, traded for him last year before the draft. Uh, so if, if he's traded, you know, that is an option. And I think whatever team signs Devontae Adams in free agency, assuming Devontae Adams makes it to free agency and is not franchised by the Green Bay Packers, I think they will have the upper hand in, uh, you know, and bringing Rodgers in. Rodgers is at a point in his career, people have told me, where he just doesn't want to start over. The Green Bay Packers are in salary cap hell. They're going to have to either restructure a lot of guys or they're going to have, you know, they're going to have to just cut a lot of guys. And Rodgers doesn't want to be in a situation where he's going to have to start over with new people and really build, uh, you know, build from the ground up. Excuse me, because he just doesn't have that much time. Yeah, you know, his window to really continue to win those championships is closing. And I certainly think Denver, just the way that they've drafted over the last couple seasons, in terms of guys like Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and then they have a pretty good defense there. I think that it really, Denver presents overall just the most intriguing situation. But last one before we get you out of here. And they, mean, also, you know, they also have John Elway there. And Elway doesn't matter as far as the coaching on the field or but there's a lot of belief. I heard this last year that Elway will protect Aaron Rodgers and, and he'll have and Aaron Rodgers will have somebody in his corner in John Elway, which I feel or I know that Rodgers didn't really feel he had in Green Bay, which is why he made all that noise, you know, a year ago on draft day. Certainly going to be an intriguing situation to monitor, but last one for you here. Knowing the state of the NFC North right now, assuming Aaron Rodgers leaves this offseason, who do you think is the next team in line to kind of be the next team to dominate the division? Dominate the division? Uh, you know, I, I don't know about that. I, I guess as far as the Bears are concerned, the Bears are going to live and die by Justin Fields. You know, if Justin Fields continues to improve, takes his game to the next level, I mean, they could be that team. They could be the team that takes over the uh, the NFC Central, assuming that, you know, Rodgers moves on. Yeah, it's certainly going to be intriguing to monitor everything that happens because this division, I think, is 
going to change a lot over the next couple months here. But Tony, thanks so much for being on. Did you want to go ahead and plug your social media handle for our listeners so they can follow your work? Yeah, actually, it could change in the forget about the next couple of months. It could change in the next couple of days, depending on what Aaron Rodgers does or, or his decision forthcoming the NFC uh, Central. Yeah, you can just follow follow me at uh, at Tony Pauline T O N Y P A U L I N E. Uh, I don't spend a whole lot of time on uh, social media, but uh, we'll have some good stuff next week at the combine. We'll be there, Pro Football Network, covering it every day. I've been holding some information back and praying that no one else reports it. Uh, so that information will be forthcoming real soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for being on, Tony. We'd love to do this again, certainly in the future, but we know how busy you are. So, yeah, good luck in Indianapolis next week and have fun with it all. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. So you know who that was. That was Tony Pauling from Pro Football Network, a really great interview, really great analyst too. lots of really good nuggets. And I think just, you know, before we begin to kind of wrap up here, some brief takeaways, I thought, you know what, when we talk about the Bears this offseason, there's something certainly to be said that for like the second or third consecutive offseason, Chicago's in a situation where they have a lot of different needs and just too few resources. You know, you talk about the cap space that the Bears have. I mean, I think that cap space is going to be used on retaining some of the Bears' own players, mainly looking at someone such as a James Daniels or a Marquise Goodwin or a Bilal Nichols, and then you use some of that cap space up in free agency too, which is then going to provide some clarity as to what the Bears are doing in the NFL draft. But really with the limited capital, kind of like Tony hit on, the Bears only have five draft picks right now. And could they create more? Absolutely, they could. But ultimately, I think what it comes down to is the Bears are going to have to be really smart regarding their resources and how they use that draft capital. And, you know, the one thing that stuck out to me is when we talk about the number of seniors and the depth in this class, is this a top-heavy class like last year? No. Obviously, it is featuring some blue chip prospects at certain positions but then just in the context of you look at day two and day three which I think bodes well for the Bears because ultimately this is a team that's going to have significant roster turnover this is a team that going into 2022 and 2023 the Bears are going to need to have a lot of mid-round picks and some young talent really step up because that's how a lot of these really good teams are built. And I always cite the LA Rams as perhaps the latest example of a team that kind of loads up on superstars, but then doesn't necessarily have a first round pick or any high draft picks. And they kind of just rely on undrafted free agents and day two and day three players to go ahead and round out the rest of the roster. Now that I think goes hand in hand with development. And so for the bears here, I think, you know, this is a draft class that features a lot of potential. And I've kind of used that word before. I know the quarterback class is underwhelming, but then you look at the potential at other positions, mainly wide receiver, cornerback to just the depth, the upside, that potential. Look at offensive tackle too. I know the Bears have Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins, but maybe Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus have different plans. I could totally see the Bears going ahead and drafting another offensive tackle and then telling Jenkins and Borum, hey, listen, you're going to be on the roster, but ultimately one of the big things that we're going to go ahead and do with you is move Borum over to right guard and Jenkins over to right tackle, which would make sense considering Borum did play right guard in college and Jenkins was a better fit at right tackle rather than at left tackle. And if you remember when we covered the show last season, 
through the last pre-draft process, I should say, you know, one thing was that Jenkins played pretty much every position on the offensive line, except for playing center. And so, you know, when it comes to offensive tackle, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bears draft someone in round two. Now, in terms of sweet spots, I think that there's a couple sweet spots here. You're looking at a sweet spot in round two for offensive linemen, wide receivers, and then cornerbacks. But I will say that given Matt Eberflus's track record of being able to develop defensive backs, I honestly would not be surprised to see Chicago go ahead and draft somebody on day three. I know it's a trend that Ryan Pace certainly had drafting Kendall Vildor and Duke Shelley in back-to-back seasons and then Thomas Graham Jr. too. But I think it would bode well for the Bears to add a mid-round cornerback just to kind of add someone fresh that Matt Eberflus can go ahead and develop. And then, you know, when we talk about rounding out the rest of the roster, I think, you know, Chicago pretty much, the Bears aren't fully set, but there's also some needs that are going to be needs that will have to be addressed some roster holes, but can the bears address those holes and needs? It's going to be a question that the franchise is going to have to answer simply because ultimately when you look at it, like I said, there's too many needs and too few resources. And then I think, you know, regarding the defensive side of the ball for Chicago, you have your will linebacker and Roquan Smith, but you need to find a Mike and a Sam in this four, three defense. And like Tony kind of mentioned, you know, there's a couple names to keep an eye on as a three at the defensive tackle position in terms of three technique. I certainly think those guys would bode well for the bears. I know that when Andrew and I did our mock drafts a couple weeks ago, one of the things I kind of hit on was how about someone like Alex Redmond from Oklahoma, but I'm sorry, Jalen Redmond, actually, I believe is his name. But I think when you look at the interior defensive line class this year as a whole, another name I think that sticks out to me that could possibly be there in round two or three is actually a local Chicago kid who is Perion Winfrey. You know, Winfrey, I believe, went to school in the city of Chicago. So he's certainly familiar with the area, familiar with the franchise. He was a graduate of, I believe, yeah, Lake Park High School. And when you look at Winfrey, the big thing with him is that, you know, I do see him being a gap penetrator that fits as a three-tech or a five-tech in a 4-3 defense. Now, one of the things I think when it comes to Winfrey is that he's got a really quick explosive first step. He is, for a defensive lineman, really really athletic and he's about six foot four 297 pounds and then also I think that he's a really good run defender too you know and then he's got a really high motor that just keeps on chugging and so ultimately when I look at Winfrey I mean I think that he's another name to kind of keep an eye on in round two or possibly even round three and I will say you know for Winfrey to kind of go ahead and raise his stock he would need to go ahead and significantly test well at the combine have a really good pro day workout if he's going to have a legitimate chance at just being able to kind of shoot up these draft boards here over the next couple weeks and you know one wide receiver that I think needs to be mentioned would actually be Reggie Roberson Jr. from Southern Methodist University. I mean, he's about six feet tall, 200 pounds, but really what I like about Reggie Roberson Jr. is someone that I've kind of talked about highly is that he doesn't necessarily have the biggest or the most expansive route tree in this draft class, but he does have enough to where he can be a valuable slot receiver. You can see him certainly getting a lot of those crossings 
crossing routes, those slants, those digs. Got really solid hands. I think, you know, his ability to separate is also something that sticks out, especially in a league where the defenses are getting faster and the windows are just seemingly getting smaller and smaller. And then, you know, the biggest thing that I think sticks out with Rogerson is just how at SMU, they kind of moved him all around the field. You know, in the NFL, he's going to be a prototypical slot receiver, but he has experience playing on the outside too, in case the team does decide to go ahead and move him on the outside. And so with Reggie Roberson Jr., you know, we talk about this, you know, this year, I think there's going to be a lot of mid-round steals. Reggie Roberson is someone that I think should really go ahead and be high on the Bears draft board. All right, guys, so that's going to do it from us here at the Picks for Polls podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. Andrew's going to be back soon. And make sure you've liked, subscribed, rated, and reviewed to the podcast on all podcasting platforms. Just continuing to really support the podcast, guys, in any way you can. You know, it's going to help us get on bigger name guests in the future to give you guys more extensive analysis and coverage of not just the Bears, but also everything going on in the college football world as well as the NFL draft. So have a great rest of your weekend, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Bear down. We'll see you guys next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.